See if these work. Usually, when I get headsets, the first pair doesn't work on me. Okay. Oh, snap. I broke my streak. Mm, yeah, I said this. We're functioning. I yeah. heard you. Do you hear me? Um, No. You don't hear me? Probably because the mic's me? nowhere near your mouth. That, that's a There we go. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> it means something. So, practice. Okay, so you see how when I talk like this, mm -hmm. I can hear myself clearly. Um, make sure that yours is doing the same thing that I talk like this and I hear myself clearly. Yeah, I can hear it now too. I don't even know what like this is. It's just gently. Hit it now. <laughs> that is not your loud laugh. <laughs> Which one is this one? This one. You sound like, like Poodle Tang. <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> well, there it is. There it is. I think we're fine. No, Poodle Tang. Uh, no, I can't laugh because you sound like a fucking pimp. <laughs> hey, green is for the money, gold laughter. is for the honey. Like, every the time hell? I wake up and look at my nails, I've been saying that every day. What? Green is for the money, gold is for the honeys. Oh, this is not the you You ever book a guest and then they turn to somebody and they else? they be like, I'm ready. Mel, we've been talking about pimps in our lives, and I feel like, <laughs> okay. First of all. Let me tell you about my father. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Are you comfortable? I am. Are you a little nervous? Slightly, but I'll be okay. You sure? I've felt nervous before, and I've always survived. Well, yes, you're not going to die on the podcast so now. So I think we should be I'm, fine. I love that that's your bar. Like, I know I won't die. Mm -hmm. Well, first, let's do a quick drink. I want to make sure my mic is set up perfectly. Um, what do you want to drink to? What do you want to tell us to? <sighs> Abundance and growth. That's on theme. It's really the theme. I love that because you just want to ask people to toast their nervous. Let's toast to abundance and growth. Salut, I white. Salut. Do not need seven years bad sex. There we go. Let's take a little sip. Mmm. This kombucha, ooh, it's like a hug on the inside. Yeah, um, it's like recovery elixir. Now we've been friends so long, you're still on my lines. <laughs> By the way, we do sound like we say a lot of things in common now because of all the time we spent together. I love that, um, Mel. This is your first time on a podcast ever, ever on on any podcast ever in life. I love being people's first. You've you've done that. You've been my first many times. Well, that's how we must get started. Clarify. Mm -hmm. Well. <laughs> experiences <laughs> platonic friendship experiences for those of you who are wondering who this voice is that you are hearing um it is my friend my little sis and my last roommate ever before i decided i couldn't do it anymore melody douglas clap clap for yourself mel mel um mel's in town for i have to be really honest mel is in town um for our birthdays her birthday is the 19th mine is the 24th for just to be transparent, we are taping this on the 25th of April, so mm -hmm. it is about 18 minutes since a week of me celebrating my birthday has And ended. our last hangover. Um, yeah, so Mel, the whole point of this episode <laughs> was that I wanted somebody who's known me for a long time mm -hmm. to be there for my birthday episode, because number one, you're, who else better to recap the shenanigans that we've been in? It's so funny, uh, I shout out to our friend Elise. Elise was like, you still celebrating your birthday? I was like, at least today is my actual birthday. Like, mm -hmm. all everything previous was a warm up, because I've never been one of those people who does like, oh, a month of my birthday. I've barely gone through the day of my birthday, mm -hmm. and then I've slunken off and done something else. And so, for me to have a full week of celebration and for you to be here for the entire time, 
The first thing I want to ask you, you ready? I think so. Let's do Girl, it. Girl, don't be nervous. It's just me. We kiki all the time. I need y'all to know, you see how Mel's trying to act all quiet and shit? For the last three hours, me, her, and Bridget, Bridget's in town, have been li- in the living room watching Netflix and kikiing and smoking weed and talking. So I want you to know that this is no different than that. I, even better than that, this is the same thing we've been doing since I was your roommate. Like, oh, the, the, these are those conversations. Well, Mel, first so of all, I'm tell them how we it. met, Mel. Tell them how we met. <sighs> I know. I, I do like my version of the story better. No, no, hit it, hit it. Tell your version of the story. Um, I was eighteen and a half, and I just moved to DC. Eighteen and a half. I was eighteen and a half. It was January, nice. and I was, you know, just moving to DC from Iowa. So my first Google search were where are the bitches? I was looking for the black lesbian, uh, the you know center. For those of, of you who are wondering, Mel is, do you identify as bisexual, pansexual? Bi- bisexual. Mel is bisexual, and this was during her heavily, her heavy, heavy, heavy gay days mm-hmm. in Chocolate City. For those of you who've been to D.C., you understand just how gay it gets you out 18 there. 18 and a half. And at 18 and a half, decided to Google where are the bitches, and she claims that when she Googled where are the bitches, what happened? I found that Blue Toulousma was at all the events connected to all the people connected to the promoters, the whoever. So My full like, government oh. name, though, you had to say? <laughs> that, I mean, that's what it was. So you Googled where the bitches and you found and you And then I found you me. and I friended you. And I was like, you know, feeling, liking, you know, fanning on whatever you were posting at the time on Facebook. This was like early Facebook days. This is like pre- anything else as far as I'm concerned because we were just coming out of MySpace and Black Planet. And yeah, this was like 2005, six. Yeah. Yikes! Yeah, it's been a while. I think I, I think I had your Black Planet page. I'm Jesus not sure. Christ! Okay, so um, so Mal at eighteen and a half googled where's the bitches. Somehow figured out that I was the epicenter the, the bitches. She of was said the bitches. bitches. You guys, by the way, you should you have to understand how shocked I was when I heard this story. And then I get a DM from a complete stranger saying, "Hey, I really enjoy your work. Um, I'm throwing a vegan Thanksgiving." I wouldn't know if you wanted to come. And at the time, I was dating somebody, I think, who was vegan. So I don't know if you had seen that and knew that that was the entry point. You might have. From what I knew I knew that was going to collect the black lesbians. It, that That's kind of like the, the catnip you lay out. Yeah. And they all come to you. So vegan Thanksgiving. And I was like, actually, that might could work. And then mm-hmm. the person I was talking to ended up being an asshole. And I was like, I'm not going to that fucking vegan Thanksgiving that's by myself. Fine. And I stayed home and ate pork. And then a couple more years go by. And then what happened then? It was a couple of years that went by. A couple of years go by. We, at this point, we had a mutual friend who had a house and I needed a place to stay. Shout out to and Jasmine. So those of you who have been following me for a while know Blue Centric actually started off as a production company. I ran a production company in D.C. for five years. And I've had like about 60 actors and crew members mm-hmm. working for me at the time. It, it felt like half of Howard was at my house for rehearsals. And Jasmine was a P.A., she joined it because she said she wanted community. And mm-hmm. then when I lost my house, that house that everybody had been staying at for years, not a single person was willing to let me sleep on their couch mm-hmm. except for my PA, Jasmine. And that was actually probably one of the most soul-crushing but illuminating things that's ever happened to me because it's like mm-hmm. I've been feeding the community for a decade. I finally am the one who needs help for once, mm-hmm. and none of you would offer me a place to stay, even though yeah. many of you had stayed at my home for like there are people who were religiously saying to me, "Hey, I heard you're the girl I can sleep on your couch if I'm going through something." So I was known as the person who would give folks a place to stay, and the only person who let me stay somewhere was my PA, who was in a two bedroom with her son, had a roommate Mel living downstairs. She literally gave up her bedroom 
and slept in her son's room mm-hmm. to give me her bedroom so I could stay with her while I got back on my feet. And that's where I ran into Mel, who's like, mm-hmm. hey, remember me? I'm the bitch from Vegan Thanksgiving. <laughs> Look at us all trying to work together and thrive and survive. We will be fine. Yeah, and you actually ended up being my friends during like a really low point. Mm. I remember I was so broke at the time. I couldn't even afford a, like a bus ride home. Mel would have to come pick me up at 2 a.m. from work because I was working on an independent film at the time. And you guys know, filmmakers and people who run production companies who are self-funded, mm-hmm. never doing that again. Mm. Every penny I had went into the production company, went to the actors, went to craft services. But when it was all done, I had an overnight job, I think, sitting at the front desk of a luxury building that my friend Lola was staying at. And Lola was like, Blue, you can edit your film and literally sit there and get paid 15, 20 bucks an hour mm-hmm. to just sit and do what you can do at home anyways. And I was like, but girl, how am I going to get home? All my money's going to the production company. And that's when Mel jumped in and said, hey, we're roommates. I'll come pick you up. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to make it together. That's what how, it is. How does it feel all these years now to see that I'm no longer um, asking for rides to the bus and then taking car service everywhere you know what? and living my soft life? Yeah. It must be so weird for you to see how different things are now. It's not. Really? To be honest with you, this is something I always expected of you. Oh. It's not even, it's not a surprise. It's kind of like um, before you see someone get all the way glammed up mm-hmm. and it's like, I see your face shape. I see the color of your eyes. I see where this is going. Right. I see what you're getting ready for. I see the outfit laid on the bed. I see where this is going. Yeah. We're not there yet. And so for me and that, especially that period of time and kind of what we were all going through, we were all in a space of like, if we got one pizza, we're going to split it three ways. We're going to be together on this. Yeah. Four ways. And, you know, yeah. shout out to Jazz and Dowdy again. I, I miss you guys. You know, shout out to Jazz and Dowdy. I, I love you guys. that the minute I become a millionaire, I'm cutting Jasmine a check. Because those three months that she gifted us. said it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those three months that she gifted us ended up being the alley-oop for where my career is right now. Mm-hmm. And it's so wild how somebody doesn't realize that them being kind Mm-hmm. Just because they care about you could be what you need to like get back on your feet. Mm-hmm. Now here's the thing though, you are in the DMV area still. Mm-hmm. You've been visiting. I'm up the street from where we lived with Jazz. Mel- I'm in that same side of town. You're Dallas. across the street from where you and I lived alone yeah. together. And so my question is, what's the biggest difference you've noticed between the DMV area and LA? You can be honest. The show is called Humanized. Jesus. And. Uh-huh. Um, in LA, people are not kind. They're nice though, they're present. They're uh-huh. like, you know, how are you? But there's always, especially I guess if you're not, you know, in the lane or a certain industry, you might just, you don't know what your ulterior motive is with this with this hello. How's that different from politics of DC? I got, DC no, never mind. Yeah, oh shit. Sorry, you're <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, like, mm. I guess it's a little maybe maybe because I, I speak DC language. I think I can see it in your yeah, eyes a little bit. I think whereas here it's just like, oh wow, like you know I, that wasn't my expectation. Of what well, this I, is. I think the industry folks are not always <clears throat> kind, but I think LA native, natives are very kind. There you go. Perfect example. Your first night here, <laughs> we had a new moon circle at my house. Brittany Hall, who was in a previous episode, she was here. Uh, Sarita, who was in a previous episode, was also there. Um, a bunch of my friends uh, who work in the industry were there, and they all welcomed you with open arms. Mm-hmm. But how did you feel being? Because I remember that Jonica was there, and you were a big fan of Jonica back, back in, in the, the day. day. And because Jonica is known as Blue, mm-hmm. we're gonna have to have her come on the show. I've already told her she has to come oh, on. Oh yeah, Jonica was known back in the blue uh, as Blue back in the day, and I remember you, I thought you had a little crush on her, and I know you're in a relationship now with a man. That's but when Jonica walked into my house. 
you were so insensitive. What do you need? You want something to drink? Over here. Like, you First were so insensitive. I think that <laughs> subconsciously, Leah, you better laugh at the camera. Put the camera on her to show that she's blushing. <laughs> Look, man. No, this is what happened. She, I was nice to everybody. I was, no, I was that was different, friend. I'm to, calling Kat. To be the accommodator for everybody. You're a little dick jump however, when Jonica However, yeah, I just want to make sure. I saw it in her eyes. I saw it in her eyes when she walked in. It was like, oh, there's some ice to break. Let me make sure she got a seat and a chair and a cup with something stay, in it. Stay Everything's the fine. <laughs> Everything was fine. Shout out to you, Jonica. Everything's I promise. I just, I just think it's just so funny because your eyes lit up like, ooh. Mel doesn't like a lot of people, so when Mel likes someone, her whole face. I'll be very, I, I don't know what it is, but I get very clear about, you know what, that that's my person. That's how, you know, that personality, that thing, whatever that is, yeah. I can be compatible with that and not in those, any other kind of way. It's just like. I could work with that. It's so interesting too because we, uh, our time in DC was mostly based with us like being a really big part of the queer community out there, mm -hmm. and then we both ended up like I don't want to say going back to men because that sounds so. It's uh, never a back. Yeah, it's never a back because when you when you're pansexual or bisexual, you've always have the option. Mm -hmm. It's just where life takes you. That's what it is. Did you get any? Because I remember when you and Jeff were talking about this. We're going to talk about it in a second. We went to Wine Country, guys. So the week started with, on her birthday, we had a new moon ceremony. But everybody thought it was my birthday party. Mm -hmm. So imagine that people are coming over to have like group therapy at a new moon ceremony on what they think is my birthday party, but it's mm -hmm. actually her birthday. It was confusing. Mm -hmm. Jonica was like, why are we here now? And then I, I, was, <laughs> throwing, I was throwing more loose because every time I was just whispering, yeah, it is my yeah. birthday. It's my birthday I, in real life. It's yeah, okay. Yeah, which, which I wish you had it because it kept confusing things. <laughs> Everything. I was like, y'all. That's what made it fun. Uh, no, I don't like confusion. <laughs> okay, so for those who know that we like astrology, Mel is an Aries, okay? And she's a mildly evolved uh, Aries, which means that the chaos, the, the love of chaos the is so deep in her spirit. The Taurus evolved me. I think I'm Yeah, it's just you like a little bit of chaos. Mm. Now, being in that room, how did it feel during when we were doing the readings? We're not going to share what we shared in the readings because mm -hmm. that was a safe space. Mm -hmm. But during one part of the new moon ceremony, we did some readings. And I think there were some people in the room who didn't know that I did readings. Mm -hmm. And I made a big disclaimer. Free readings are not something of birthright. You don't get to call me and say, I'm coming to your house for a free reading or when can I get a free reading? Mm -hmm. If I don't offer, then the answer is no. Because it's, it's how I pay my bills. So you're literally asking me, hey, can I take a, a $120 out of your purse? You know what I mean? So I made a, a big announcement. Hey, guys, I rarely do this. Um, I only do when I'm in the mood. Don't ask for this again mm -hmm. unless I offer it. But we're going to do some quick readings. And then we started reading people around the room. How was that like for you watching that? And I'm asking you because you watched me do this in like three different states now. Absolutely. And, and over two or three different eras, okay? Two, two or three different levels of comfort yeah. in life, right? And I think it's always the same. It's just kind of like... Uh, it's back to that before the makeover. I know what's there. It's just about what space that you're in. And, and I'm not surprised at the reactions. To what you. were the reactions? Because you know I black out a little bit. There's that. Um, what I saw was gratitude. I saw okay. um, like being open and receptive. It wasn't like a resistance. Right. You know, you know, little tweaks of resistance, but you know, it was minor. Um, <laughs> but uh and just the the gratitude of and, and when I say gratitude that's even it's it's kind of a ill-fitting word because we also talked about this it was just like um not not you know I'm bad at words so I'm looking for them it wasn't gratitude as much as it was just gratefulness that I have this opportunity and this thing but it's not you know it wasn't gratitude that would pour out into the vessel 
If that I makes don't understand sense. the thing you just said. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Rephrase um, the entire thing. I'll try thing. it again. Yeah. <laughs> take, <laughs> I don't know what that was, two, friend. Take two. Take hit. it back. Uh-huh. Um, what I saw uh-huh. in the room <laughs> was it was enlightened. There you go. It was enlightenment. Mm-hmm. That's what I was looking for. There was people, they they received what you were getting and they, they loved it. It wasn't nothing though. They were shooting back out. Guys, what you just saw, it actually was, Mel has a, a, a tendency to start a sentence mm-hmm. and then because she knows I'm the wordy one, mm-hmm. will wait for me to finish it. And I realized how enabling that is of me because you said you're not good at words, but when I shut the hell up, you figured it out, I found right? A word. Yeah, part of having like <laughs> friends that love you and want to grow you is like, no, friend, finish your own sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what and what now? And I do think enlightenment is an interesting word because I often fear. Actually, is fear the right word? No, it is the right word. I often fear that there's a line between when you're doing any kind of help or service, mm-hmm. where it's counseling, tarot readings, whatever your gift is that's of service. There's a line where it goes from being helpful to being enabling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I find myself constantly these days discerning how much information to give my clients versus how much is left for them to figure out for themselves. And so that room was an interesting space to be in because I could tell some people wanted more. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I want you to make your own decisions unless you're paying me as a client, then I have to give you an answer. And did you think anybody resisted what they heard? Don't n- name any names, but... Yes. Oh, shit. That's another thing I think is interesting, too. <laughs> I'm starting to recognize that sometimes when you hear a truth that doesn't m- make you comfortable... Whether it's accurate or not, you're going to resist it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say too much on the new moon. The night ended well. We were all high as a kite by the end. Marijuana is legal in California, so complain to your mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it was a, a wonderful night. You ended your birthday on a very witchy note, and the very next day was 420. Mm-hmm. I need you to explain, to not explain, to understand that at my big age, having a new moon ceremony that lasted till 2 a.m., with 10 people in my house exchanging energy, mm-hmm. smoking weed and drinking the, the libations, and then waking up and it's 4.20, everything inside of me was like, oh man, I'm gonna be high for the next week. We've done this before. That's the part, we've done this So we before. start on 4.20 by doing an episode <laughs> with, with uh, a special guest, we'll, we'll, we'll see who she is later. Mm-hmm. Um, we did an episode of Humanized, then we went to the Bob Marley Museum. How did you like the Bob Marley Museum? For those who are in uh, California, the Bob Marley Museum is actually still a thing until the 20th of May, so you still have time uh, to go check it out after you've heard about our experience. It was surprisingly cool. Why were I you surprised? Really um, just Are you not a museum girl? I am a museum girl. Okay. I'm, a, I'm a teacher in D.C., so I do like museums from regularly. Yeah, backpack, backpack, <laughs> dates, whatever, and um, sometimes they're underwhelming. And yeah. so for this one, I was just like, mm, okay, let's see, oh, temporary, let's, what they got going on. He was, lived a full, like, yeah. Bob Marley was a legend, duh. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I fully recognized who he was through the eyes of his family mm. to that exhibit because I think the Marley family actually donated a lot of, a lot of artifacts, a lot of personal family pictures. Like, I, was, I felt like I was seeing him. I, was, I didn't know he loved to play soccer. Mm. I didn't know his wife, Rita, was born in Cuba. Like, there's so yeah. many things that I did not know about his family. And what was so amazing to me was, like, seeing all the Marley boys and girls, uh, mm-hmm. like, as adults. I'm like... How sad is it that he didn't get to watch them grow up in the physical realm? I'm sure he's yeah. on the other side watching and cheering them on. But like the fact that his family has been so illustrious and still in music. Look at Skip Marley. Mm-hmm. You guys know Skip is my favorite Marley, if you're wondering. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's a question, but I love Skip Marley. Um, <laughs> well, he keep we heard that before. <laughs> no, we went to the Bar Marley exhibit, and it was dope. And we took lots of pictures. Then we went to my friend Danny's 420 party. <laughs> I want to go back to Bob Marley. Um... <laughs> 
No, shout out to yes. Danielle it, because we blacked out. There was so much weed in her house. It took us a couple minutes, a couple days later, to try to remember what we were doing that particular afternoon. Danny had something in, in the week called Moon Rocks. What was it? Moon, moon Crystals? Rock. Mm-hmm. Moon Rocks. Look, I was like, is this we cocaine? Was, like, I was, was like, I don't do cocaine, it. y'all. Like, I need y'all to know. I only do federally legal drugs. Like, you know. No, we were fine. Wait, are shrooms legal? Yes. We I, were fine. Shrooms and, and edibles and marijuana is my line. I am not about that life. I have zero street cred. Mm-hmm. I smoked marijuana for the first time at 24. Mm. Did not make it a habit until I was 30. So I am not the person who is like deeply ensconced in drug culture. I learned how to roll my own weed at like 35. (laughs) Like I went to Catholic school. Okay. Mm. I only started doing it because it was good for my cramps. So to go to a party where they have elite California strains of weed, even you looked overwhelmed. Splayed out (laughs) next to the shuka tree. Okay. Shuka tree. Shuka tree. She means charcuterie y'all. Please please show my friends some grace. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, did you just, just call charcuterie shukatry? I teach and you re- lower elementary. You, what grades do you teach? Um, K to two are, is my sweet spot. K to two? Yeah, I've taught up to fifth grade. I've taught up to middle school. I don't like tall kids. Do you know how I was supposed to teach her for a week? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was a sub I think for a great. week at a D.C. public school. Mm. Them kids did not know what hit them. First, uh, the first, uh, what is it called? Not first grade, first term <laughs> class, <laughs> period, first period. period. Yes, it's been it's been decades since I've been she in school, said y'all. First grade, okay. First, term. <laughs> first period. Uh, that feels like something else to me. First period. Mm-hmm. That you know they try to haze the substitute, mm-hmm. and so I think they said try to say something funny about me or how I looked or something to get to me. And I was like, wow, you got a lot of bumps uh, on your face to match the bass in your voice. Mm-hmm. Now I recognize that that has not evolved, guys. Okay, this was years ago. And they were like, ooh, she capped on you. And then, so we started playing the dozens. And once they realized that I was with the shits, they were like, oh, Miss mm-hmm. Blue is, okay, she cool, she cool. Sometimes you got to speak to them in their language. Sometimes you got, the, the kids will haze you. And mm-hmm. I remember that by the end of the week, thinking two things. Number one, that was so fulfilling. Number two, I will never do this again, <laughs> right? I will never, ever teach anybody formally for long term that is not an American adult. Mm. Like, what's the, mm. the age for adults? 18 in America? Mm-hmm. Some countries is like 14. It's a little weird. I need you to be 18 and up, right? Because there was so much that happened, and I was like, number one, I don't want to be responsible for shaping your mind That's like this. Although all teachers shape your mind no matter what age you are. And number two, uh, minors are very mean. They're mean, but they're also just a reflection of their environment. I'm under the well, philosophy that up, like even up to about 13, your brain is mushy to the point where you have a hard time even planning for malice. You oh, baby, that's 26. It's, there you go. Your brain is mushy until you're 26. Yeah. So with that, it's like the the bad kids, yeah. they're they're not bad. They're, they're, they've learned their environment. Oh, no, I don't believe in good and bad kids. I think there's kids with opportunities mm-hmm. and resources and language for what they're going through and kids who don't have the language and who lash out out of frustration and feeling disenfranchised. So for me, it's not good and bad kids. It's more so... During that time, you're hormonal, mm-hmm. and you're mean. It's sometimes. It's sometimes, I'm mean once a month when I'm on my cycle. Like it's. it's, it's mm-hmm. I hear that, but they're sometimes smiling it, themselves. They're. Ugh. It's back to the process. It's back yeah. to reaction. It's like I when I ask for a cookie with my polite words and I say please, it doesn't work. Yeah. But when I throw a glass against the wall, I get a cookie. Yeah, and so I'm gonna just work like that. Bad exactly. and, and Mel works with. What do you call it? Uh, differently abled? What's the pr- the pretty way of putting it? I don't want to get canceled. A uh, neurodivergent. 
Uh-huh. Oh, neurodivergent. Yeah, okay. that's what it is. Here's but. the irony. Mel works with neurodivergent kids and had a neurodivergent roommate and, and didn't call it. What's funny is I felt it, but, you know, I think I think it's rude to do that to adults No, sometimes. let me tell you what happened. I was this, the same job, because revisionist historians are not going to mm-hmm. be a thing here. The same job <laughs> where I was sitting there working for 15, 20 bucks an hour at the front desk editing my footage while I was buzzing people in. Mm-hmm. That same job I also had a schoolhouse at the bottom floor. Mm-hmm. And one of the teachers walked up to me after watching me for a couple of days, and she was like, are you autistic? And I was like, excuse me, bitch? <laughs> what you see? My name is Blue, what's yours, what the fuck? <laughs> I How do you just roll up on somebody and say, are you autistic? I was just quietly using prompting in ABA. And, and, I, was like, being, and, I, was, and I was like, nah, why? And she was like, no, because I've been watching the way that you engage with people. There you go. And I had just masterfully de-escalated something. And back then, to me, being autistic was a stigma, so I was like, mm-hmm. you just watched me be masterful and be completely immune to manipulation during the situation. And your answer isn't, oh, wow, she's so emotionally intelligent that she's autistic. Mm-hmm. I was like, how the Very fuck did we get here? And she was like, no, I didn't mean to offend you. It's just that you seem like the best case scenario what, what I hope for for my kids. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. Mel came to pick me up at 2 a.m. said, Mel, the, lady, the principal at the school, at the building I work at, asked me if I was autistic. And you were like, oh, shit, that would explain a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, damn, she said you were like, it. You were like, oh, that would explain a lot. Y'all, it would be seven years before I would get tested. <laughs> Fast forward. Here we are. I was like, y'all y'all funny. Y'all got me fucked up. When she called me and told me, she was like, yeah, no, just final final word. I was like, girl, I'm not surprised. She's giving me the rundown mm. of, of this is why, this is the markers. Yeah, I'm, mm, I see What's that. funny is once you know the markers of neurodivergence, you start to realize how underdiagnosed the black and brown Everybody. communities are. Everybody. I'm not going to say everybody, but Girl. if you're watching this, you or somebody, one of your play cousins is probably neurodivergent. And I think I looked at the list. It was being gifted, actually, is mm-hmm. a form of neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. What Americans, or, what, and as people saying Americans, our, 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 our following is bigger than that. What the <laughs> average person calls, oh, she's gifted, is often nipping at the heels of something neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. Um, being autistic, obviously, is neurodivergent. OCD, ADD dyslexia, there are so many things that fit into the neurodivergent pile of like, your brain is just wired different, right? Absolutely. But because a lot of us tend to be really smart and have genius IQs, or be really great artists, or be very eccentric and really good at being charming, like all those things that are seen as superpowers, Mm -hmm. and I've been told to be careful calling a superpower because it's really, really demeaning to those who are not high functioning, so I'm working on that. But all the things that are applauded for neurodivergent people who are high functioning mm-hmm. are just people not having a language about why so-and-so is different. Right. So when I would tell, I came out as neurodivergent to everybody when I got diagnosed. Everybody was like, oh, I just thought you were colorful. Mm-hmm. I just thought you were different. I was like, I am different. But here's the thing. Even the definition of neurodivergence, like you have to have the standard of what is di- what is divergent from. And yeah, so being even, neurotypical, yeah. Yeah, and neurotypical even shifts from space the culture to city to, absolutely to schools so and i'm happy you brought up the cultural competency part because absolutely. i do think because of how black and brown children are seen that's probably why it's the hardest for them to be properly diagnosed and absolutely. loved up on with the same care absolutely that their white counterparts are mm-hmm. what have you learned from being someone who is dealing with not the high functioning, right? Like, I'm actually happy you're here because aside from this being a birthday recap, Mm -hmm. I love the fact that now that I've come out as autistic, a lot of people are stunned and you can see them forcing themselves to like, oh, I thought that meant retarded. You know what I mean? Like, I I can see them struggling. And I use Mm -hmm. that word just for the example, guys. I don't use that word in real life, but 
they're struggling with, well, this is what I think of autistic people, but I always thought Blue was really smart, so how do I reconcile this? Mm-hmm. And I did that intentionally to destigmatize, de- de- use my platform for that reason. Right. However, I was told I could not use the term Asperger's, and I respect it because something along the lines of, and someone's going to do the research. I didn't research this, so I'm, I'm putting that disclaimer. But it's something along the lines of back in the days, the Nazis would use Asperger's as a way to be like, oh, those are the autistic people that we don't have to kill off because we can still use them. They're high functioning. And so Asperger's was actually used of, oh, you're an autistic person that we don't have to throw away. And so we don't say Asperger's anymore because of the nasty history that is around that. So I just say high functioning autistic. But you're somebody who works with the kids who are not necessarily high functioning. Mm -hmm. And I want them to get space too, right? Like I don't want to just be the shiny, gifted unicorns getting the space. Mm -hmm. What do you see in black and brown communities where you work about people who have low functioning or lower functioning uh-huh. autistic kids it's there's a major disconnect between what they the should what they think their child should be doing mm. and what their child can do so i do spend a lot of time like helping especially parents of younger children um i guess the the label in my quiet brain are younger parents but if you're 40 years old with a three-year-old you only have three years of experience with this yeah and um so i I do a lot of explaining to them like hey this the same way you learned to ride a bike or tie your shoes that was your way this this child your child can still do this it's just way different your child is not verbal doesn't mean they they can't communicate your child is not filling out math worksheets. That has that does not mean they're not able to do calculus. Yeah. Um, so is there shame? Absolutely. Because I think black and brown parents back Absolutely. in the day the joke was if you were special needs and you were a person from a, a, of color you'd be in the basement. They you're, and they still are. Oh. There, there's some some spaces where they still are. Um, and then I think the biggest kind of outlet of that space is into special education is the early identification I've seen some kids that I feel like are over labeled or over identified mm. just for the purpose of mom being able to get services and I say mom all of them um, services placements or whatever stacked up on them um, if I can get someone to be convinced my child has a speech delay I might win four more extra hours a week of dropping them off somewhere Oh, yikes. I've had parents tell me I feel so ashamed or sad or upset or whatever, guilty for bringing my child to school every day just because of the time we have, just because of what we go like through. Like it's so hard at home, they feel guilty I, I to think, to you. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm doing a disservice or just being mean to somebody else by just throwing And Sometimes I feel so guilty that I'm ready to drop them off at 730. How do you minister to those parents out of the shame or do you not because it's not your place? I, I, I think I try to give them resources. It's not my place. And once upon a time, I would try to make it my place. Yeah. Um, but then I had to learn, like, okay, I'm the teacher. I'm not the social worker and the psychologist and the principal and everybody else. They're different roles for a reason, yes. All the different roles. So I know when they send an email, right, to somebody mm-hmm. else. But what I will say is um, I think just painting different pictures or giving different resources um, to say, hey, this I know you don't feel like you can take your child out to play on the weekends or you're scared to go to this park for whatever reason. Here's the thing you can do. Here's something we do in class. Here's what I want to do with your child. so you yeah. basically re- rehumanize their kids. That that's really so what they it don't is. see their kids as a, as a problem and b- back to being a child. You know what's so mm-hmm. interesting as you're talking about the parents and how they internalize shame. My mother always she was never ashamed of me, but she always knew I was different. Mm. She always knew that I had too much language. She was like, "You we, sh- we need to teach you less words." <laughs> like she like you got too much language. <laughs> yeah. So so she always knew that I was different. I had a lot of language and that I was incorruptible. Mm. Like if something was wrong. 
I don't give a fuck who's in the room. <laughs> if it's wrong, We're I'm like, why are we doing that? That's wrong. Why is that math like yeah, this? Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. like personal wrong. It was like black and white wrong. Like, hey, that's that's really mean. Why are you being mean? Mm-hmm. And she knew I had a pure heart, but she was like, oh, man, I'm concerned for you. And I was like, why? Like, I'm chilling. Mm. And I think that she was like, when I got older, she told me there's a courage that you have that I envy, right? So I, I later realized that I was being courageous in a way that she had never allowed herself to be. Mm-hmm. And so she was worried that I would be judged as harshly as she would be judged mm-hmm. and internalize that. Child, I didn't even care what those people thought. And I think a lot of times parents try to find the most gentle way because they're scared that their child is going to meet somebody mean who's going to break their heart. Mm. I know there. I know there's some shame mm-hmm. there because nobody wants a child who's special needs a lot of times mm-hmm. because they feel like oh people don't think something's wrong with me and I didn't have enough you know zinc or something in my diet when I was pregnant right. and I'm just like but that child still needs to be loved and that child is here now and you kind of have to deal it's with that. Still very present. It's would you ever very... adopt um, a child? I would. Really? I really would. Well, you know I'm very passionate about I adoption know. and we're gonna be doing an episode coming up with someone who. Um, was adopted and runs an organization that works around adoption. Mm-hmm. And what kind of child would you want to adopt? Would you be a baby? Because, you know, I'm very passionate about older kids being adopted. Yeah, I'm I'm actually pretty flexible in that. And that's just me personally. I will I will say shout out to the people that are just choosing not to take on any more trials yeah. because it, it is a thing. And so, But for me, I do feel like I'm specially prepared or specially, like, you know, it's in alignment with my purpose. Wait, wait, wait. I was talking about adoption. But adoption. But it sounds like it sounds mm-hmm. like you're talking about adopting a special needs child. Oh yeah, I mean that's when. So you're open to that as well. I'm open to all of that. Yeah. Special yeah, who better needs, than you? Different age. when you talk about older kids, it's like they're not new. They have a whole book of experiences and backgrounds to come with you. Even if they're the yeah. nicest straight A student, they're gonna come with something. Well, if you're not with your birth family, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's a story there's that is pain there all the time. Well, speaking about family that is chosen and not birth family. Mm-hmm. It felt so good to have you here this week because it felt like someone who knew me mm. with zero pretense being there for the week. And it was so interesting because for so long I've struggled to discern who is my friend because they sincerely care about me versus who thinks I'm valuable. I was going to say that earlier as far as, um, like, again, the comfort I have in you and you knowing me enough to enable me yeah. when when you're not <laughs> <laughs> on your life. So, um, but it made me wonder is, like your neurodivergence for me in my opinion kind of always showed up in your consistency with how you engage with people mm, and explain that. we we've had all these conversations randomly about people romantically or just in friendships or in passing that i'm like girl you ain't see that stupid shit girl she tried you or you'll hear yeah. it later like yeah she she's you know looking at you like this and you were very kind to her to move her on her way but i know in her in her background this is what she was going through and you don't you don't see that at all i don't have nasty intentions and you know how they always say you see the world as you are not as it mm-hmm. is because i don't have nasty intentions i don't walk around looking, looking for nasty for na- intentions and you used to be the friend in the background like now nah, she on some funny yeah, shit she's trying it I'm gonna look at. I'm, I'll be right here. Go ahead, have to talk with her. I'll be right here. Um, so, were you feeling protected this week? Meeting, meeting so many of my because Mel met like thirty of my new friends this week. It makes me wonder the difference between the people that are your friend because of this the the realm of comfort you give that mm. that space of enabling, whether consciously or subconsciously, whatever. I that prefer nurturing is. to enabling. You know, yeah. I, I hear that nur- you are nurturing, and I don't yeah. think you should stop or I, even I think take it, that I away. Think I will say enabling it was the old me, but because mm. you haven't lived in the same mm-hmm. state as me for five years, just for out of respect for my growth, I don't enable anymore. There you go. But I, I, I used that. to. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But I am nurturing now, mm-hmm. and it will stop if you show your ass. Like, there's, we don't. 
Well, yeah, I don't do the thing that you're very accurately mm-hmm. pointing out. But have you been? Because have you been in a space now where you're like, oh, she's finally figured out how to make friends that do not have ulterior motives, or are you still worried about me? A little bit. Uh, it's, it's a little not, bit of what? It's I, not, I get two it's options. As, I'm a little bit of worried, but not as like much as probably before, especially when you first moved out here. When you first moved out here, I was like, oh my God, the wolves. They're yeah, I was everybody's her. friend when all I moved it, to LA, and I learned very quickly do, that was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. I was like, all they need to do is spend one afternoon at the house, and it's a wrap. One, one conversation, somebody's going to try to whatever, but not so much just because of the people I've met here so far, just yeah. be, the people that you showed me that are around you. Um, and like you said, your growth and your discernment of knowing who is what and why and how. Wanting to believe the best in people is probably my favorite and least favorite thing about mm-hmm. me. Because I be rooting for folks so hard. I root for people so hard. I'm like, oh, shit, she wasn't rooting for herself. Hard and long, girl. Let me my mind. <laughs> You know, what's so, you know what's so interesting, too? I think about all the heartbreaks that you watched me go through, mm. and I realize that sometimes watching a friend go through a heartbreak, especially mm. if it's a very courageous friend, is actually harder than me going through the heartbreak. Because for me, it was like, oh, man, that hurt. Oh, wow, that was really cruel. That's soul crushing. Mm. All right, give me about 30 days to, uh, to weep, and then I'll be, I'll be back. And then I'll come back like, ooh, I'm looking for somebody else to love. Like, when I get my heart broken, I deal with it, and I keep it moving, right? Mm. But it wasn't until I talked to my mom, my mother was like, you're so courageous that sometimes as somebody who loves you, it really is like watching a baby cross the freeway. <laughs> yeah. Because the baby's like, yay, I'm going to make it. You're like, you might get hit by a semi-truck. Mm. And so I think having a friend who's been there for the whole <laughs> sometimes- <laughs> It's that same feeling. It's like, oh, yeah, now let me call out of work. I need to, I need to figure it out. We need to go cover her because it's, <laughs> something's wrong. Go pour the water. I'm going to order the groceries. It will stay here in the doorway. You know what's so funny? This is a, the 50th episode of Humanize, guys. <gasps> Yay, it's a milestone. It's episode 50. Clap, bitch. <laughs> she was so stunned. It's the 50th episode of Humanize, which was supposed to be a once-in-a-while show that's now become weekly. Mm-hmm. And the milestone of it being the 50th episode is so interesting to me because I'm having a friend who can humanize me in a way that I can't even humanize myself. Because you don't know what you look like from the outside. Mm. And so it's so wild because when we go out, you're like security for me. I've seen you. <laughs> I don't mean it. You're it like just somebody, Somebody's going to walk up to you and try to have a moment with you, and you're going to be too nice and talk to them for too long, and I'm going to pull you away. And it's crazy because when we got to... Um, after we recovered from 420, mm. the very next morning we woke up to go to wine country mm. and we had rented a ha- house for wine country. Um, and Bridget couldn't make it because she had an amazing opportunity singing the national anthem at the Knicks That's game fine. and they won. So any, if anybody fine. from the Knicks is watching this, Shout out um, to you. she's your lucky charm because you had my, my girl on your uh, sing for you and y'all won. Keep that in a I'm not going to, I'm not going to read off stats, mm. but if it's feeling lucky for me. So Bridget couldn't make it. And suddenly I was like, Oh, we have an extra room. That extra room turned into us inviting like three or four more people. We show up to the house. Y'all, I accidentally rented out a mini mansion. Mm. This is the second year in a row that I've accidentally rented out. I don't know if my eyes are bigger than my wallet or what. I like opulence on birthdays. We were looking for each other. We each had our own wing. It was seven people in the house. And we would constantly lose each other. Seven people. Mm-hmm. Everybody's fully conscious, doing an activity. Doing full activities with Can't music find on. Nobody. Can't find each other. Uh, we gave Richard and Monique. Monique, who was on the show previously. So was Richard, actually. Mm-hmm. They had the whole top wing because they're married. We figured, why not? Why not? Um, you were sharing a wing with Lulu um, and Laurent. For those who remember the episode where Lulu said that she started dating her homeboy 17 years, we finally got to meet the homeboy mm-hmm. and fucking loved him. And he's great. He's so good. He's great. 
Like he's so good that I think her watching us love on him. She looked at him during dinner one night and was like, "Oh, she was. So Why did you wait so long for us to get together? You could have mm-hmm. saved me all these knuckleheads." There's so many times I was like, "Your man is so good, girl." Shout like, out to your man. Like shout out to Laron. Like seriously, we might have to have him and Luan mm-hmm. for like a love episode or something. Mm. Um, and then Jeff was there, Chef Jeff, who we love. I think he's he's still the most attending ass uh, guest I've ever had on the show. Jeff's been on the show like six times. Oh, Lord. Um, and Bridget was supposed to be there, but she couldn't make it because of the next thing. So we all drive to wine country, and the first night, it was so fun because for me, I know this sounds so nerdy, I've had really expensive birthdays, I've traveled the world, mm. I've done all types of extravagant, Instagram-ready things. Being in a pajama with six friends who I feel safe with in a big old fancy house. <laughs> Playing e- drinking e- games. Playing drinking games and eating <laughs> Wingstop and watching the game together. Mm-hmm. For me, that was probably my best birthday yet, and it probably was the least amount of effort mm. I ever put into a birthday. It was great. Yeah, it, it was wild. Like, what makes you happy? Because I'm realizing the older I get, emotional safety and fellowship yeah. means a lot more to me than a look. Yeah. I, th- <sighs> I don't know. I think you just answered my question with your question. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really that. It's emotional safety. It's being with the people that you know that it actually anywhere we'll have a good time but we were blessed so yeah. this is us loving each other and our blessings and just having a good time like big little kids yeah there were so many couples the fact that richie and monique have been together for 17 years and mm-hmm. um which we'll call it laron and lulu mm-hmm. have known each other for 18 years what did it feel like i have some thoughts let's kiki real quick what did it feel like being around so many couples that of people who had known each other for a long time I don't know, comfortable. It, it was Com- it, comfortable. Com- com- that word. Okay, fine. comfortable. Let's drink some more. Let's some more That's of the kombucha because we start making up words. <laughs> <laughs> the alcohol screaming. How does it feel, comfortable? <laughs> it was so comfortable. <laughs> and bitch, you bet you said it with strong eye contact. Done, like and it was, tried it. <laughs> Go for it. You Shout know out to is. the Aries in the world because the Aries can be wrong as shit and they still say it with their full chest. And that's fine. I kind of love that about you. Girl, why are you looking confrontational? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, that's what it is. Y'all can tell that I'm Take talking facts. to a real friend and not a regular guest. Cause <laughs> <laughs> it All was, right. it Take was three. very, you were very comfortable. I was very comfortable. It was fun. Um, I was inspired. I was yeah. like, wait, I can be my regular self and show my full ass. And there's a human being in this world who will be okay with me. Yeah. Not setting myself on fire to keep them warm. We always talk about that. Do not set yourself on fire to keep somebody warm. Yeah. And I loved, you know what I loved? Mm-hmm. The, how attentive the men were. That, that's what I was going to say. I was like, there's something about that um, security that they had in each other yeah. that when the women wanted to walk off and kiki, like when we're, we're twerking in our bathing suits over here, mm-hmm. or when the men are opening doors and clearing things for us or whatever, there's there wasn't even a, a moment. Yeah. There wasn't a, a pulse or a feeling of like, what what are we doing? And we were just all sharing space together, and it was comfortable. It was great. Yeah, sharing a house for two days with couples that have been together for a long time and still really like each other mm-hmm. taught me that gender roles, the thing that we argue about so much on social media, is a non-conversation if your man really likes you. How about that? If a man really likes you, and if a woman really likes you, let's be honest, That's it. suddenly making you a plate or washing the dishes or whatever it's not a big fucking deal. You're not mm-hmm. arguing. Well, I did it like, like, that's not a thing. Right. I think a lot of couples fall out of like with each other. Yeah. And the two things that Lulu and Laron and Monique and Richard had in common was they were friends first. Sometimes those cliches, they, I mean, they're cliches for a reason. Yeah. And so I'm realizing that I probably will not get into another relationship anytime soon unless it's somebody that I can be friends with first and yeah. enjoy as a friend and not just when we're doing nasty things or planning you vacations together. You do have together. to like each other. Even when I don't love you. I, mean, no, I, I need to love you, mm-hmm. but I also need to really like you. Yeah. 
how about I need to respect you even if I don't like you and feel like you you deserve that. And at that point, I need to break up, friend. I mean, <laughs> if we talk about I respect you, but I don't like you. That might, they be, got them. that might be the sign. They got the. They got them. I don't like what you're doing. Yeah. I don't like. And, and that was my, the example of my father. You know that. That's why I can say that. There, yeah. there was so many people that respected him, could not, did not want to be trapped alone, did not want to. We're intimidated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's like everything he's doing is is right and well for everybody, not just just us. He is. Yeah. It's working for us all. So even if you don't like it, play your role. It's so funny you mentioned your dad because. I think the reason why my friends were so attentive, I like even as we're sitting here, people are texting me, hey, Blue, you're good, happy birthday, was everything mm -hmm. good? I was like, why is everybody being so concerned? And then it took me a second to be like, oh, your mother spent two weeks in the hospital, mm -hmm. thank God she's out, and then your uncle died. Mm -hmm. And I think I had told myself, I'm going to Boston tomorrow after we tape this to help my family with the grieving process, help my mother with her health, and, and be the grown-up. Mm -hmm. But I think that's why I wanted a week of play. I wanted yeah. one week where I'm not thinking about planning a funeral or my mother's hospital fees or, or anything and I'm just it is frolicking so with my friends. It is so necessary. Yeah. When I went through that with my dad, that was one of the things I I got. I went and got it. Yeah. I got a luxury hotel room, jacuzzi tub, ordered all the fun things that I wanted to. Yeah. It's like it, it was so necessary in that space. Sometimes you need a beat in the middle of mm -hmm. a crisis to fill you back up. Absolutely. Before you start taking everybody else. And which, funny enough, it brings me to speaking of filling cups. Mm. Day one was, was game night and kikiing. Day two was wine country. The cups, though. Come on, man. I We had so many of them. So much wine. Shout out to the bartenders that forgot. I'm sorry, some of you that forgot to punch and sign cards. It's cool. Yeah, I, I'm not going to tell you where we went because we want to get everybody fired. Yeah, we don't want to do that. But you're supposed to get six uh, tastings mm. per... This one lady, she was key keying with us so hard, she was pouring wine and not punching anything. The other dude, I think he just liked the way we bat our eyelashes. Yeah, we got a lot of free alcohol mm -hmm. and that we didn't pay for. Mm -mm. And funny cool. enough, Laron, who's like 6'4", this lady walked up to him because he was cute and was like, hey, you can have my card. What? While he was next to his woman. While he was next to Lulu. And she was like, go ahead, boo, thank you. So, go and, ahead, and luckily get for, some more. Luckily for me, LaRon doesn't drink, so he, as the birthday girl, he gave me his card. It worked out. It was just wild. I was like, how do you run up on some, How would you act if you were in wine country with your man and a woman walked up to flirt and give him free gifts? I say thank you. That we, man, I'm so ready for that. There'll be some times I'll be wanting to send him out to the wolves. So you Why like not? you like the idea of pimping out your I man and okay come back with, with some goodies? Uh -huh, please. Please, one time I was out and somebody bought me a drink and I told him, my, my man says thank you. I'm going to let him know that his woman is out in a community, in a space where there's still good men that will take care of all of us. So, shout and what out did to he you. say? He was just stunned and signed his credit card he, slip he and was walked like, away. All right, girl, that's a lot of information. You'd uh -huh. be, you be blessed. Yeah, because that, that's all I want from you, sir. But, you know, thank you. There was one <laughs> part of the wine weekend where I was just like, there's so much alcohol. I never want to drink alcohol again. I don't know if that's the right reaction. But to be fair, think about this, right? Mel got here on Tuesday. On Tuesday, I took her to Santa mm. Monica, and we were eating oysters and drinking espresso martinis and getting drunk by the we beach. We were drunk like six hours after I got the plane. Yeah, Mel landed like three, and by nine, we were already like drunk in the back of an Uber. And then we were doing when we did New Moon. It was like and then the New Moon up, ceremony. We, we were drinking, 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 and we were you know doing <laughs> ceremonies and shit, <laughs> having moonshine. psychic awakenings and whatnot. <laughs> and then 4:20, help, just send help. 
And then game night on Friday. So by the time we actually got to wine country on Saturday, we were still my liver was mad at me. I was pickled at that point. Sweating alcohol. Wow, that's that's a lot for <laughs> No, I felt it. Like we were just moving. Yeah, at one point I was like, yo, this is so fun. I need some Gatorade. Mm. So I, we left. We had to leave because they closed at six. We would have stayed there longer. I we would have. Yeah, we went to go eat. Um, that helped a lot. And there was <laughs> <laughs> my stomach was like, oh, food. <laughs> oh, this she is remembers nice. that we need food and not just alcohol. <laughs> we went to eat, and there was one part where everybody was getting in the car, and me, mm-hmm. you, and Jeffrey were sitting by a fountain. Mm-hmm. And I closed my eyes and I threw a coin to make a wish in the fountain. And then when I opened my eyes, I was like, my wish is actually already coming true in mm-hmm. real time. Because you know, part of my wish is. Just the emotional safety uh, and the bandwidth to do what I'm here to do, yeah. right? Like, if you have a, a strong sense of purpose, mm-hmm. you need a community. For anybody who's listening to this who has a strong sense of purpose, I need you to know, even if your purpose is something singular, like, I'm a writer, that's a very mm-hmm. solitude, like, there's a lot of solitude baked into writing. Mm-hmm. No matter what your purpose is, you still need a community to fill you back up. Absolutely. And the funny thing is, after we finished Wine Weekend, which was so fun, that Sunday, we woke up dumb early, dropped Jeff off. Mind you, shout out to the bubble baths that I had at that house. The beautiful thing about renting out a, a mini mansion is that you have a deep jacuzzi tub that you can bathe in every day. Mm-hmm. I have taken so many baths in the past 72 hours. Changed your life. I, need to ma- I love my house, mm-hmm. but I need to manifest that tub. Exactly. Somebody needs, needs to rent out a house where people can just come in and take bubble baths. Mm-hmm. Airbnb bubble. Oh, is that a business idea? I would say take it out because somebody's going to steal it, but Wait that's fine. Wait a minute, I got it. Airbnb bubble. Um, I like that. No, I talk to the people. Fun fact, the found, one of the co-founders of Airbnb went to high school with me. Mm. Shout out to you, Nate. You. I tried to interview him one time. Like, yo, tell him that I'm a, I'm a reporter, but like, I went to high school with him. They were like, we know what this is about. You're from a black publication. We're good. Because this is when Airbnb was having like problems about people being racist. Mm-hmm. So they're like, yeah, your black classmate wanted to interview us. We know exactly where this is going. But after we finished you know, letting me have my bubble baths and <laughs> wine country and all that, we dropped Jeff off back in downtown LA and we went to something called the U Retreat, which was done by Black Love. Shout out to Cody and, and mm-hmm. everybody over and Tommy and everybody over at Black Love. We love them so much. But the U Retreat was a woman's retreat. And I had said, Mel... They only sent me one invite. I could ask if you want to come as a plus one, but I know that I'm going to have you running the streets. Mm-hmm. Do you want Sunday to work? Because you're a teacher, and I know you have mad work. And what did you say, Mel? Let's go ahead. Let's just go. I'll work later. See, I was just, let the record show. I don't want people like, oh, my God, Blue Ram, Mel, Ragged. No. I tried to give you Sunday, friend. You did, and I tried, and I thought about it, and I was like, oh, I guess it'll just be other hours. To yeah, and, the, and, and make up. Cody's team mm-hmm. was really nice about giving me a plus one. So we go to the event. It was beautiful. It was awesome. It was so beautiful. And because I live in L.A., mm-hmm. I think I am numb to celebrated public figures being mm-hmm. in the room with me. Mm-hmm. But there was one point where I looked at your phone. And I was like, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Oh, I'm sending pictures of to my brother and my mom, and they tell me who's who and what's what." And I was like, "Oh, right, mm-hmm. right." This, L.A. jades you. I, mm. Like you're so used to constantly seeing actors and people doing their thing. Like I, I don't even think I, I registered anymore. So I kind of love that you were there because I got to see it through the eyes of somebody who's not been desensitized. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite takeaway from the? Ooh. And don't mention the one that you mentioned when uh, when we got to the car because that's the one I, we're going to double click on in a second. Aside from the thing that you mentioned when we got in the car, which was stunning to me, <laughs> what was your other <laughs> biggest takeaway? Mel started dropping bombs. I did not oh, realize how much this week was going to change you, friend. Man. Imagine how the four years has changed but me. N- listen. But go, n- don't butt, because n- what was your biggest takeaway? <laughs> the biggest takeaway was, um, look, without mentioning what's in the car, 
is uh it was uh, affirming affirming that's all it was it was yeah. the biggest uh takeaway was sure knowing enough. yeah i already know i yeah. already know um what feels good you know when it doesn't feel good you know where you're supposed to be in i always say that if i pull up to a place and i can get parking right in front then jesus wants me there mm -hmm. like we're, we're supposed to be here everything's fine not jesus in the valet area really okay. absolutely i received absolutely <laughs> i pulled up i saw valley i was like oh okay well this is this will be easy it's um, so i love the gem too somebody shared about how we talk about is the cup half empty half full and someone was like well you know sometimes you have to think about it differently as What's in the cup is for me, and what comes out the cup is for you. That was big. What's in the cup is for me. It's mine. And what comes out of the cup is for you. And it makes you really intentional about what you're putting in the cup. Yeah, because that's for me. Yeah. And I get to choose what comes out for you. I get to. Child, sometimes it'd be the simplest word that hits you between the eyes. And it's like, you you can't act like you didn't know that. You knew that. Yeah. Somewhere. This isn't new information, but So we're sitting here, we're new. watching all these amazing actors and, and uh, singers and and, and 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 like titans of industry share space. Everybody and Mel's like, oh my god, everybody's so friendly. <laughs> Which is by the way, people don't hear about LA enough. But we were in a room full of black women in the industry who knows what it's like to feel isolated. Mm. And I think that's what's so brilliant about Cody doing the retreat in that way is because she had people who knew what was at stake to make each other feel loved upon. Yeah. And you know black women like to show up for each other in that way. Yeah. And then so there was one moment we had joked earlier that Mel knows to be my security and not leave me alone. Cause I'll accidentally end up in a very intimate and inappropriate conversation with somebody. I got off the my phone because I was texting somebody, and I was like, "All right, Mel, this is lunch break. I'm gonna go get us some food mm -hmm. and be right back." I go to the food truck line and end up in a 20 minute conversation that results in somebody crying and thanking me, like just sobbing. And she comes back with half the food. She doesn't come back with all the food. She comes back with half the food. Like, okay, I don't know. I'm whirlwind. But it turned into like a really mm -hmm. cathartic moment for that young lady. I feel like God put me in that food line just to talk to her. Mm -hmm. And the thing that broke my heart was the thing that moved her to tears is something that me and my friends talk about every day and don't even take for granted. Yeah, I think so many of us don't realize, even with the show, how many people don't have people to have good conversation with. Yeah, or just, like I'm using the word safety. I've used the word safety like 20 times in this episode. The concept of having friends who feel safe enough yeah. for you to be completely naked with emotionally. There are folks who have never experienced that at their big ages. And I think we sometimes take for granted that the affirmation and love that we give to each other is not the norm, unfortunately. It's not the norm. Not because people don't have good hearts. I don't want people to be like, oh, you're trying to say that nobody has a good heart? No. Mm -mm. A lot of people just don't have the bandwidth or have not given themselves permission to be vulnerable with each other. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to bother you, so I'm going to give you this, this nice facade of how I'm doing and saying I'm fine even though I just cried in the bathroom before I left. Yeah. You said uh, the term emotionally lazy this week and it was one of the things I was like, let me define, let me really make sure I understand what this is. Yeah. And I think how, especially just how we show up for each other, Yeah. we, if you care about something, like it, there's no, there's nothing you would describe as lazy yeah. when, how you engage with it, you know? And so when you're, Let's unpack that, right? So emotional lazy, that is, that is a very, that's a buzzword. You brought it up, friend. Let's unpack Let's it. Let's do it. Emotionally unlazy means that you do what you technically have to do or what you're asked to do without any surplus mm -hmm. or added compassion that is outside of those restrictions. So if I ask you to do something, you'll do it for me. Mm -hmm. If I tell you something bothers me, you'll be like, oh, that bothers me. But you're not proactively taking the initiative to make me feel safe outside of me doing the heavy lifting of telling mm -hmm. you how. And so an emotional lazy person on paper is doing everything right that they've been told, but isn't going the extra mile 
or inconveniencing themselves to do the to do what somebody who actually thought about it for half a beat mm-hmm. would intuit to do for you. Like growth takes like breaking and movement and change, yeah. and you, you gotta reach, you gotta grow, you gotta move for it. But you have to call something by its name before you can overcome it. Absolutely, you cannot learn from a mistake that you refuse to admit that you've made. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of folks, when I call them emotionally lazy, they get mad at me. I was like, but if you're not, if, if you're not, if you can't admit that you're emotionally lazy, mm-hmm. I can't believe anything that comes after that because you won't even call it by its name. Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you working towards? If you're not admitting that you don't always step up the way that you could, if you're not admitting that you sometimes are more clever than compassionate, let's talk about that for a second. And then your mo- what is your goal? I technically gave you what here? you asked me for. If you, if usually technicality is like a fuck boy, that's emotional laziness, right? Because we can play, I, I, I can, I can, I can play the technicality game too, right? They got them. Emotional laziness, like when, when you're working away from that, you say, you know what? I don't have to do this for her, but I want to do this for her. Yeah. I don't know how to do this, so I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I don't. You. I've never been. This has never been asked of me, but you matter enough for me to like shift that narrative. To try. Yeah. And not trying because you're pushing me, but try because I'm excited to show up better for you and myself. It's movement. I don't think yeah. it's too much of a workout. It's it, not, it's it, not it climbing. is a workout, though. I'm not going to hold you. It's a walk, but yeah. sometimes it's not always climbing a mountain. Yes, yeah. it is a walk. It's yeah. a movement, but I'm not asking you for These are reasonable requests. I Thank like that you. phrase. Now use this. So uh, one of the cheat codes that I've been giving to everybody this week, you guys, please buy my book when it comes out. Mm. <laughs> one of the cheat codes <laughs> from the book that I've been giving everybody is when you are making a request and, the, and somebody acts like your request is wild or they have a bad reaction, or they get defensive. Mm. We try to say, I don't do enough. The way to diffuse it with somebody who actually gives a shit, that caveat matters, that does. is to say, I made a reasonable request. And then if they give, if they have any fucks inside of them to give you, they're going to use it to, you, to reason with you. You can even acknowledge your feelings. You seem very agitated. Mm-hmm. You might have even been triggered. I want to know what frustrated you. I understand if my request makes you uncomfortable. Even in the moment of me being curious and leaning in and asking you why you're frustrated. <laughs> Mel, Mel's like, Blue does this shit to me all the time. Like I'd be like, Mel, you seem very frustrated. <laughs> I just made a reasonable request. So what frustrated you? Sometimes she'd, you she'd be like, really, bitch? <laughs> and her response is, that's fine. You do it to others. I'd be like, give up. Nah, yeah. Like, She's like, there. abort mission. Leave there. And Blue says that she made a reason Because here's the thing. They are reasonable requests. Mm-hmm. So once I say... I made a reasonable request. Number one, I didn't say anything about you. So you're not being attacked. Mm-hmm. Number two, I'm owning that I'm self-advocating within reason. So I just want to know, why are you upset, friend? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> who did it? Where is it coming what from? What did it? I, I know there's not a who because it's not me. I made a reasonable request. What did it? <laughs> <laughs> who, who hurt you? As my friend, <laughs> how does it feel when you have a... Uh, a knee-jerk reaction to something because you're triggered, <laughs> and I hold space for you while still maintaining that I made a reasonable request. You know when I know request. how it feels? Yeah, I really that's do. That's fine. That's how it feels. That's not a feeling. That's it a deflection. It feels okay. That's a deflection. <laughs> how does it feel? <laughs> you haven't sat in the feeling. I really, yeah, I'm you, sitting in the feeling. Mm-hmm. It feels like acceptance. Nice. There you go. Okay. There you go. I found a word. You see it? I got look. Look, friend, I am so proud of you. <laughs> 
Mel's always saying she's not good at words. And sometimes I'll be like, yeah, friends, that's a rough word. <laughs> but I love that you're pushing through because when you do give yourself a beat, you find the words. Mm-hmm. We're shifting that, that, that narrative for you. Look at me taking a walk. Look, a, a year from now, you'll be like, I'm great with words. What are you fucking talking what are you about? Talking? Yeah, I know exactly never, how I Never feel. been like that. I always communicate. What are you talking about? And you're so funny. We often talk <laughs> about what it's like to be emotionally intelligent. We very mm-hmm. rarely talk about what it's like to receive an emotionally intelligent person. <laughs> you know what? What has it been like living with an emotional intelligence coach for all those years that we were living with? Because... I know that there were so many conversations where you were like, she's technically right, but I'm used to fighting. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like, why are we not what, swinging? Where was the ignorant blissfulness? Like, we've, we've been there. I was like, why don't we just pretend like we don't know this shit and just be toxic? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? The first year of our friendship, <laughs> I was like, why won't you be toxic with me? It's so much fun. Right. Yeah, I left the dishes. <laughs> Fuck it. Um. <laughs> no, but how, what has it felt like being with a friend that you know oh my goodness. you cannot do funny shit with it's in like, any capacity? This is going to be such a picture, but honestly, God, it feels like knowing that you uh, have a superpower and you can't let them to know let them know when you go to school. Like, you got to keep the flames inside your hands while you're at work. For you? To receive yes, it? Yes, to receive it. To, to be in a space where I go home uh-huh. and there's a bat cave at home of all the things that we know is right and well. Yeah. And we, we used to spend hours. We would be up for weekday. Like, we yeah. did not have a job. Up all night, unpacking yeah. and talking and, and therapizing for no reason. And it, 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 so many times I was fighting. Like, please, God, let me go to my room. I don't want to have this conversation Oh, no Mel more. would try to crawl away from me. I was like, no, no, no. I'm, I'm tired. You just tried it's to emotionally manipulate me into feeling bad because yeah. you didn't want to do something that was a reasonable request. She'd be like, finish this conversation. And I need to know why you did it so I can humanize you <laughs> and not just make you the villain in this story. Because I, I don't want to do this again. Because I don't, I don't, cause cause I don't do want us to have this moment again, so let's work through it. She was like, bitch, okay, I lied because I was tired, okay? I was tired, so I lied. That was the whole reason. (laughs) Right, I was being very basic, okay? Sorry. It was just basic. Sorry, I'm not following you. I'm tired. You know what's so funny, though, is that, like, it grew you, though. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of you. Yeah, but, again, back to going back into civilization. Oh, yeah, going back to regular toxic society after living with me is probably some fuck shit. That's one of them things. Yeah, because you have the language now for what you're going through. Like, oh, they're not ready for this. And I'm like, damn, I'm making all these people cry. Like, it really Well, Mel, we have to talk about that. So please do not weaponize emotional intelligence to make people cry. Okay, no, that's fair. But still, so, so maybe this is, it's just me. No, the, it's no, not it's not just you. It's not just you. A lot of my clients will confess to me. I took your workshop because I want to learn how to cuss people out. I said that's not what wow. this is. Wow, I'm not trying to. So let's have this one with y'all because a lot of y'all got me fucked up. Let's fix it. Having the language is not to be weaponized, right? Because when the truth, this is why I want you to take the, the workshop, right? Mm-hmm. When the truth is a bridge, it's honorable. Mm. When the truth is a weapon, and you're claiming that somebody you care about, it's the dishonorable, right? So are you wielding the truth as a bridge? Or are you wielding it as a weapon? If you're using the truth to make people shut the fuck up and cry. <laughs> see, I'm not, see, the, I don't be trying to. Girl, trying. It, I, I, I try to build a bridge and then I don't make it to the other side. Intention, and it leaves a you get emotionally edge. lazy a little bit. Okay. So, so you're working through Look, some, you're working through that's it. That's fine. That's cool. <laughs> I accept. I'm going to start saying that. But here's the thing, that's passive <laughs> aggressive. So that's not going to, that's not going to work. I'm like, what do you accept? And then I'm yeah, like, do y'all see? Y'all see? Now, what do you accept? Maybe it's the witness. Maybe they can see no, it. No, I love it. But this if, is, this is if what you I accept, here's the thing. Right? A lot of times people will try to be passive aggressive with the coach. Mm. They're like, oh, well, if I just need to play dumb, then this bitch will shut up. I'm like, no. Nah. Because my intention isn't to get you to surrender. It's for us to understand each other. Yeah. And so if you passive aggressively say that's fine and it's not fine, 
I still want to connect with you. Mm -hmm. So I still have more questions, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) What's fine, friend? What did you just surrender to? Everything. Oh, okay. Unpack everything. I'm stupid. (laughs) Hit it. (laughs) All the time. Every day after work. Every day after work. But the wild thing (laughs) is, though, the beauty of this happening is you taught me a lesson, too. Mm. Because I started being strategic about when to let you have a win. I was like, Mel hasn't had a win in a month. (laughs) Even the best person in the world. (laughs) would hate me right now <laughs> this motherfucker <sighs> deserves the win so you'd be like blue i did xyz i'm gonna be upset but i was like no friend it's okay you'd be like really like you're at peace with that i can just go clean it up i was like it's, cool. it's, it's okay friend we can clean it up tomorrow <laughs> she's like okay and she would run out the house like let me run out before this machine <laughs> before we have any other thoughts and then and then i did the experiment I, i've never told you this before mm. there was a week where i there was no lessons there was no mr miyagi there was no sharpening steel, sharpening steel. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask shit of you. I let you do whatever the fuck you wanted. I had no feedback, no courageous conversations, nothing. Mm-hmm. You came knocking on my door like, hey, friend, everything okay? Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I noticed I left the song, so I was like, it's, it's okay. You know, you don't feel no way. I was like, no. We're not going to watch nothing? You don't need nothing? No, we don't have to argue about this. <laughs> like, you're an adult. You live here, too. And she's mm-hmm. like, okay. I went downstairs and the entire kitchen had been cleaned. And what I learned from that day, and I've never actually told you this was, (laughs) once you've ministered to somebody enough about something that's objectively just good for the the community, Mm -hmm. they deep down know what's right to do, but you can sometimes handicap them by making them reliant on you pushing them. Exactly. And if you pull away, now they are forced to figure out how to walk and do that and master it on their own. Mm -hmm. So I love that I finally learned, you taught me when to stop. Good. Because I was righteous and good. Child, when I tell you, the, my tap out game is impeccable. How about that? You become exhaustive past a certain point, and you can have it, sis. <laughs> and <laughs> anybody who's ever had that moment with me, y'all have Mel to thank. Put the camera on Mel. Anybody who hasn't gotten cussed out in the past five years, wave to the camera, That's Mel. Why. Wait, 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 wait. That's to me. It's me. See, you can, you can put it back on me now. Anybody who showed their ass <laughs> and not gotten cussed the fuck out in the last five years, and it's like, okay, I thought Blue was going to cuss me I, out. I'm the callous. Mel's the one who there. taught me how to do that, though. Mm-hmm. You did. Because I was like, do I want to beat her down with the truth? <laughs> or do I want my friend to like make it her own? <gasps> I'm so glad I can contribute that. You really? You feel good you. about that? I just, I'm so glad I made an impact <laughs> anywhere it works for me. <sighs> okay, so now we're, we're, we're at Sunday. Sunday, we leave the retreat. We get mm-hmm. in the car. Reset. I'm thinking, I'm still hungover. I had a great time. All these shiny people... I love black women. Oh my God, we're so great. Let's go home, Kai. I want to sleep. I get in the car, say to Mel, So, Mel, what did you get from the retreat? And Mel blurts out, I need to quit my job. <laughs> so, let me just say, I don't want to quit. I was like, Wait, 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 wait. Just what? certain factors of my job, I want to quit. I said, right? Mel, wait, how we get here? And she said, No, like, my job as I know it is not working, and I deserve more than what I'm, like, dealing with. Mm-hmm. And it made me realize how much more I deserve and mm-hmm. how I have to be a lot more creative about how I show up and what I show up for. How, what made you, was there a moment in the retreat that made you realize that you needed to, because th- I think there was one lady who said, usually when you're exhausted, it's because you need to dream bigger, not not smaller. Yeah. and That hit me between the eyes. Yeah, no, that, that was one of mine because I'm very, I'm very clear. I'm doing work that aligns with the future goal, Absolutely. but it's not at all. It's not big enough. Not at all. And, and a lot of my stress and the things that I like worry about with work is all seated in that, that current 
lower, you know, level place. And it's like, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need this kind of grunt. And, and anybody that's in education knows what the grunt uh, work is. Oh, like, it's nasty. Kn- knows where that, those spaces are. And y'all are. don't get paid enough. And. Y'all do not get paid enough for what you all. deal with. I love it, but no, that's all. We so, don't. You, so you're willing to think bigger. And we actually met somebody at the place who does what Mel does in me. LA and like at a higher sticking. echelon for much more money and much more free agency. Mm-hmm. I said, Mel, this is your future. Same thing. The minute she told me what she I said, Mel, come over here. I got somebody I want you we to meet. We have the same certificates. We have the same levels of all that. And she was fabulous in her caftan and yes, her sunglasses and her red lips. She was doing it, honey. We had a little sangria sipping. Yeah, so she Shout was, out to you. She was like the fabulous version of you when you're older. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I think I'm seeing a glimpse of Mel in the future. You know, somebody mentioned, I don't know if it was at the retreat or maybe it was at the full moon, new moon circle or at the wine country. We've been to many places, awesome guys. Places. But like someone mentioned that like you have to see it to know that it can, it's possible. Yeah. And I think one of the things like I've now flown yeah. out my cousins, you, I'm, I wish I want my mama to come out here. The We're reason why I keep on here. flying my friends and family out here is not just to see me, even though I love y'all. I want y'all to see what I see every day and realize yeah. what's possible and how bigger Life can be. And then fast forward to the end. We have to wrap this up, guys. The weekend ended yesterday, Monday, my birthday. My actual birthday. Mm-hmm. By the time my actual birthday came, everybody was sick of me. Everybody was tired. They were like, girl, we've been partying since Tuesday. <laughs> I was like, Blue, if you want to sleep for your birthday, I promise I'll make sure you can just sleep as long as you want to. Yeah, I need to get my nails done. But yes, we slept. Mm-hmm. And Bridget, who had missed everything, literally flew in straight from the studio. She did two episodes. Of, sorry, I have, I have to burp a little bit. She did two episodes of her She Thing Things podcast, mm-hmm. and then Cheech literally picked her up from, from the studio and drove her straight to the airport just so she could land at 8 o'clock Pacific mm-hmm. and take us to Nobu as the final grand finale of my birthday. Guys. Jesus. I've been wanting to go to Nobu for a long time because I heard it was a good vibe. It was. I heard it was good food. It was. Amazing food. I would like to spend more time there. <laughs> the waves were crashing. The bill was high. Wait, we already put it on our go, my, my brother and I. To go to Noble again? Yeah. You, you, like, you, yep. got, you got that kind of money for sushi? We will. Let me tell you something. I knew Noble was expensive. I still did not know how expensive. Because I was like, oh, these are reasonable prices. Mm-mm. Until I realized the prices were like per piece. Yeah, no, I saw that. I, I was like, like oh, okay. $18 for oysters. That's dumb cheap. No, $18 per oyster. <laughs> I had to. I was like, oh, that's why everything seemed they before. Were great. Yeah, so Bridget, Bridget took us to Dobu. We had an amazing time. At this point, she was tired. We were tired. So we were all able to like eat like kings, like mm-hmm. grown men who are just tired and want to go to bed afterwards. And as we are about to uh, blow out my birthday candle, Bridget looks over my shoulder and says, is that Dua Lipa? Mm-hmm. And I looked over. I was like, oh, shit, that's Dua Lipa. And it's so funny how the universe works because... You know what? My angel number is 22, and mm-hmm. I made a couple of wishes out loud this week. And it's probably I would make a wish. 22 would appear. Mel was there. I've seen it. It got Th- to the it's point. It's not even a game. It got to the point where Mel started to get a little uncomfortable. She's like, this is a little. This is like, little, can this you is. tell the universe that we're here? We hear you. Like, chill. Like, we, we, we're, we, we got We even it. pulled up in front of a, a store called Blue 22. Blue. And it was, was blue. Like, <laughs> and I was like, it's a little painted blue. And I had just been saying, I was like, yo, when I come back from Boston and taking care of my family, I want the month of May to be all about me falling back in love with my health um, journey, right? Mm-hmm. And whenever I am on a health journey, one of the few people who, al- two people who always end up on the playlist, mm-hmm. not because of anything other than like their music just seems like the kind of shit you should be working out to, is Dua Lipa and Lizzo. Mm. And so the fact that I had just been thinking like, yo, I'm about to pull out that playlist again. And the person who's all over the playlist was right over my shoulder. I was like, oh shit, that is Dua Lipa. Mm. And she walked out. I thought nothing of it. I thought that was cute. 
10 minutes later, when we finally leave, mm -hmm. she is still standing outside the door with her homegirls. And I was like, oh, she's still out here. That's interesting. Right. I'm about to walk past her, and I get a psychic message. And I was like, you never, and I had told everybody, I was like, I do not want to do any readings on my birthday. I'm on vacation. I'm minding my fucking business. If y'all want to book me, I got a link that you could use. I'm about to walk past Dua Lipa and her friends, and I get a message. And I was mm -hmm. like, fuck. Do I say, like, you know what, you've been there. Mm -hmm. So I walked by and I was like, hey, um, you guys have really, really amazing friendship energy and you love each other a lot. And I just think it's beautiful to see. And trust me, I'm a reader, so I, I read energy. Mm -hmm. That's all I said. That's the kind of compliment where whether you believe or not, you say thank you, you walk yeah. away. Child, they were like, wait, wait, no, oh, come back, come back, come back. More. It ended up being about 17 minutes of me and Dua Lipa. I had to tap out like, Dua Lipa, I have to go now. <laughs> I was like, girl, I gotta go. No, I was standing guard. She had, and, and this is where Mel stand guard. Mel, at one point, I was like, where's my purse? Where's my food? My doggy bag. Mel, while I was talking to Dua Lipa and giving her a free reading, like outside of Nobu, <laughs> gently took all my purse and my bags from me and, and whisked away. I kept walking by every two minutes, check her pulse. Like, okay, she's still grinning. She's still good. Fine. They're not burning her out. Okay, right. And then at one point, I was starting to feel like, oh, I'm giving too much. This is not a real reading. I, I just came out of dinner. I'm tired. Mm -hmm. And Mel just kind of looked at me and I was like, oh, I have to go. My friend's there. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, well, take a picture of us. So we can remember this moment. This always happens when I try to ignore a celebrity. They end up asking for a picture. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened when I met Reese Witherspoon. Like so many times, I'd be like, I'm trying to be polite. I'm bitch. gonna leave. I'm yeah. trying to leave. They're like, no, take a picture. I took a picture of them and I was like, screw it. Well, since you guys are here, let me take a picture so when I tell this story, people don't think I'm lying. Because people always think I'm making up these fantastical stories. And in the I'm about to take a picture. The girl instead presses video yeah. and they all stop yelling, Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday. And I was just like, the person from my workout playlist is screaming happy birthday to me on the last, last event of my seven-day birthday Outside bonanza. Outside of Nobu. Outside of Nobu. And mm. I was like, yeah, okay, God, I got it. Chill. Like, we're here. We're very very faithful. You guys all know me as the woman with mantras. I will give Mel your credit because I, I do not believe in plagiarizing. The one mantra that Mel has said <laughs> since the day we met when I thought, she, I was like, why is this weird girl just, she's just trying to be my friend. I sometimes when people, the Lord sends you somebody, you're going to have a reaction like, why do you want to be my friend? Mm. I want to thank you for not <laughs> listening to me, my funky, because I was making faces like, girl, what? <laughs> you're like, this sounds crazy. You Googled bitches and got me. I'm not mm -hmm. bitches. Like, I, I gave you a lot of heat. Even, even when you came in the house, I was like, okay, I'll give you a week. I can tell I'm weirding you yeah, out. Yeah, you were weirding me days. out, friend. But I'll I'm, be downstairs. I'm happy that you had a vision for us <laughs> that I did not have for us because you now become like I tell everybody my little sister now we're mm -hmm, family now. Mm -hmm. But one of the things Mel said when I was freaking out because I went from being someone who was making six figures, running a production company, had six people working for me, and suddenly I was staying in my PA's bedroom uh, with no, nothing to my name, trying to rebuild from scratch. And Mel came to my door one day. And she was like. That's fine. We have everything we need. We have everything we need. And for the past, God, 10, 15 years that we've known each other, that has been your mantra. You see me through breakups, moving across country, L.A. fuck shit. You've always said, we have everything we need. And I feel like that's the crux of the past week. Oh, I'm going to start crying. Boobie. Because I feel it with you. I know what it is. It's always always in this space, even in a worry, we can look around yeah. and be grateful. We're, we're safe. We're a whole and we'll find everything that we need. We're wrapping up. Um, people see me be strong, right? Mm -hmm. And so the reason why I wanted to humanize myself with somebody who loves me and that I feel like is family is because we do have everything we need, right? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times when you're a brave person, 
you make peace with the fact that at some point it's not going to work out. At yeah. some point I'm going to bust my ass and fall on my face. Mm-hmm. And there might not be anybody to catch me. And so I just really want to thank you for always being there to catch me. No, Bluebee, I will be. Okay. All right, that's the show. <laughs> <laughs> We're fine. That's the show. No, but I love you so much, and thank you so much for bringing me here. I'm so proud of you. I'm I'm endlessly proud of you, and you yeah. always know. Like I'm I'm always gonna be your your advocate. I'm always gonna be your cheerleader because there's nothing you do that is surprising to me. Which I'll be surprised as fuck. There's nothing you do that surprises me. It's like oh yeah. So even even in the space of L.A. and how people receive you and how people respond to you, I, there's nothing that shocks me. There's nothing that's unexpected yeah you guys if you don't get you a friend who believes in you <laughs> even when you forget who the fuck you are how about that on that note mel where can they find you love now i'm all stuffed up Whoa, where can you there. find me bridget's wedding first at the house you can find me with in a blunt and shit, and shit, like at some, a school somewhere <laughs> no like what you have a social find media me. right you find me up northeast shout out northeast. mel said don't find her on social media because she wants you to uh, buy her business yeah no facebook Melody girl, D. nobody's just. Oh my god, girl. That's where you can find. Okay, no, hit up, <laughs> hit up any of Blue's platforms and say, "Tell Melody I said what's up." And oh, then okay. that's how you get to me. Mel said, "Stay in your lane." <laughs> I'm her friend. I'm the. I'll be the goon behind her. It's be fine. And by the way, you guys, I've been telling the story all week, so we might as well end on this note. <laughs> my favorite story about how Mel does not give a fuck about oh celebrities. Oh my goodness. We're saying, saying this on camera. That's fine. <laughs> my oh, favorite story about how Mel does not care about celebrity. When Mel and I were living with each other for three years, I was going through a breakup that was like, it was fucking my spirit. And she was like, you know what? My cousin's in town. She has a show. Come with me. We'll have a good time. So I invite my friend <laughs> to come with us. You and know I, how you say it. It's like and that. I almost backed out. Like, I'm not sure. I know Mel's <coughs> a friend. You know, go to Marcus. You know, <laughs> right. go, I know <laughs> Mel's it. trying to chill Open me up. mic night. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm, we're going to go see her, her cousin. <laughs> But, like, I'm not sure I want to leave the house. And I was like, man, I'm not sure. She's like, well, just let me know. Last minute, I decided to go. We pulled up to the Verizon Center, was mm-hmm. it? At the time. Now it's Capital One something. Now it's Capital One something. <laughs> Mel's cousin. I'm like, Mel, your cousin. All I see is Backstreet Boys and TLC. Who is your cousin? And Mel, with all the bit of stank in her voice, like, uh, who did you say, Mel? Who's your cousin? T. Boz. I was like, don't don't you know? I thought we discussed this. No, we we had lived together for three years and listened to many TLC songs. Mommy said. And this bitch never told me that her cousin was T. Boz. I, I thought I maybe because it was just in my brain. I thought it just like that. The words "my cousin" equal international uh, girl group superstar T. Boz. <laughs> I don't know. That's the moment so that I knew that me and Mel needed to be friends because I re- needed to know that no matter. <laughs> What the fuck I did? I could save a child, mm-hmm. be president, become the new Oprah, Mm-mm. and I would just be her old roommate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want it. It's fine. I said, no, I'm plus one. Not staff, not production. I'm plus one. Yeah. I'm the driver. Now more than ever, I, I appreciate people <laughs> like you <laughs> who forget to mention that my cousin. I am holding the purse back here. That's it. <laughs> All right, guys, I, go, I hope you enjoyed this show that was, we're hungover, so I don't know if any of this made sense, right? I think we're fine. I don't, I have ADD, so if it's all over the place, it's an accurate humanizing of me. Uh, <laughs> Mel, I want to thank you for coming again. If you guys want to find me at, at Blue Centric, uh, if by now, I don't know when this episode's coming out, um, you might still have a, a chance to join our online shift workshop. So if you still want to join it and the link is still vi- working, it is OTS20.eventbrite.com. OTS stands for own thy shift. Mm-hmm. Cause you have to own your shift before you can, so you can own your shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I want you guys to always remember that we're all just human beings doing human shit. And as always, please be gentle with yourselves and go call one of your old friends who knows you and tell them you love them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bye guys. Bye.
Yeah, we did that. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's my name is Prince Daniels Jr. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcast. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid.